This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Leadership Transformation Platform, Multiplying Authentic Leaders Moving Society. Adrian Grunewald here, with me, the old man Louis Grunewald. It's wonderful, as always, to be with you. We're uh, going to have a conversation about a very important topic, and it's a conference that's happening in October. Before we go, things, remember, all things leadership, go to leadershipplatform.com, one word, two Ps in the middle. It's wonderful to be with you. Um, not always so wonderful to be in Gauteng. You know, I kind of like like the bush a lot. But there's lots of work to do. Uh, the Science of Happiness at Work Conference is on the 26th of October. And the principle of happiness at work we want to unpack a little bit with one of the speakers for that conference. So we've got him on the line. We're um, having this conversation for the next half hour. Tony Dovale. He is a seasoned serial entrepreneur and courageous mindset expert business speaker from Life Masters and many other things. And we'll get him to explain a little bit more what he does. But his passion is to help people perform personally and eventually also organizations in the process. So we've got Tony with us to tell us a little bit more. Tony, welcome to Leadership Platform. Good morning, Adrian and Louis. How's it going? Really, really well. We're yeah, happy. A, in general, cool we're happy. today. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I just come from the bush, and it, we had a good rain there. Our first rains came down quite quite strongly, so uh, hopefully it turns green there. Tony, you've got this conference coming up, Happiness at Work, 26th of October, but we want to talk to you about not just the conference. In a moment, tell us about the conference, but also the principle of happiness, and then uh, you know that's maybe the foundation. Then you build on that. What else do we need to have success in the workplace? But more particularly, the concept of happiness. But in, in a nutshell, tell us about the conference. Is this a yearly conference and what happens at the conference? Uh, this is the first one that's been put on by the Forbes Group uh, in conjunction with Eyeopener Institute, which is the organization that did the research. And I need to just clarify for you, it's the science of happiness at work yeah. because there are many happiness models and frameworks and systems uh, that don't necessarily have the backing of a detailed scientific approach to the evaluation and assessment of it. And mm -hmm. so Jessica Price-Jones and her team spent many years, five, six, seven years, researching and designing and refining and statistically analyzing all of these areas and aspects that impact the workplace and the performance and so it's the science of happiness at work, and they've then got a framework that they've developed for anybody who wants to now apply it into your workplace. Because I, th I think the challenge is there's so much information available, we never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Yeah. And so having something with a, a rigorous scientific validation behind it gives you the knowing that when I do this, there will be value and impact and, and improvement versus just some nebulous flavor of the moment kind of action that people try. Because we're all trying to improve business sure. and improve people and improve teams and improve leadership. So this is a nice framework for people to use. It's, it's right. simple, it's clear, and it's and it works. Before we unpack that and more, your role in it, so you're speaking. What what I, my role is I was certified as one of the Science of Happiness at Work facilitators on a global basis. We have experts and people that are trained and certified around the world to come and consult and coach 
in organizations using the framework and, and the process. So I'm one of the speakers at the event with a Forbes corporate. And my, my function and my position in the process is, you know, happiness for me is fuel for high performance. Mm. So you might have a Ferrari, but if you have no fuel, you, you've got this high performance vehicle, you're going nowhere. So for me, happiness is that foundation um, which then helps you build a high performance organization. Tony, let's just look at the big picture for a moment. My impressions are that in general, people are, people are less and less happy at work because of the, you know, we talk of the VUCA world, volatile, uncertain, all those things. And, and, and the pace of, of life, um, the pace at which information come our way and decisions need to be made. You know, we can go through that whole speech of how challenging it is that the world is, is much more challenging and complex and dynamic than ever before. So, so, so the impression I have is there's more stress in the workplace, uh, more pressure on performance. People are taking that home. They're not happy. Uh, but, of course, that's not a scientific research project that I'm involved in. <clears throat> but I do do a lot of work in businesses. And in general, people are not as happy as they used to be, perhaps. Let's just talk about that bigger picture before we unpack the model yeah. and, and so on and so forth. I think from my research as well, when I go into organizations for the team building and the mindset work that we do, there's so much more complexity in the workplace with our political, with our racial, with our with 12 cultural dynamics that are there. And it's not that those are issues, but it's how we interact with each other that's issues. And because we're in such a highly politicized environment um, and, and we're under pressure, we're trying to do more with less. Businesses are cutting costs. They, you know, they cut jobs before in order to balance the books. And so when you have people running a business that's purely based on numbers and no heart, then it's, it's stressful. They're under more pressure. There's more conflict. There's less, less fun, less happiness, less everything in the individual at work. And that then contaminates their home space. And I think. Because we see so much stuff happening around us, whether it's on TV or social media, the brain's natural process is to compare. So you compare that some oak's got a 300 million rand house. And so we have a button in our head based on the work of David Rock. Um, you know, we have a fairness situation. And so this whole study of, of neuro leadership, there are certain things that we are hardwired. When we look at it, we say no. But that, in, that creates then that increased stress, that anxiety, that unhappiness. And I saw some research that South Africa is one of the, one of the unhappier peoples in the world. And I look around and I think we are so blessed with infrastructure, with opportunity, with possible, with all of the things around us. Because I, I travel quite a bit to other Malawi, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Nigeria, and I see what they've got and how happy they are. But it starts as a mindset issue based yeah. on the leadership around us, based on the context and how we react to that context. So we have so much potential with the right mindset and attitude, but I don't see it happening. So I concur with your, your thing that people are unhappier in their workplace, but the government's not going to change it and business and the people have to get together and business has to become a positive force for good and create a great, consciously constructive place to work. All right, we'll, we'll look at happiness and then build on that and, and towards the end just 
obviously touched the button of the role of leadership in this because you can have try and create a very happy workforce, but if you have a toxic leader yeah, I, at the top, so we'll, think, we'll go there. We'll go there towards the end. But let me just bring Louis in very quickly, Tony. Uh, so, so Louis, that's our impression, concurred by Tony, who, who does a lot of this this kind of work as well, is that in general people are not moving towards happiness necessarily, but the world is in a way, pressurizing them in the direction of unhappiness. <coughs> Toby, Tony, we can certainly confirm your experience, what you're saying is, that has a tremendous impact on work performance. I like your, your expression, though. Happiness for me is fuel for high performance. So what you're saying is not just about being happy. It's about generating the fuel for high performance. So we are mm. interested. We are very interested in that approach. You're, look, you know, just for happiness, for happiness' sake, has no value in a in a commercial context because most organisations are driven by profit, not by how happy their staff is. And it's part of my mission to balance that of you know people, team, people, planet, and profit. You can't just push profit, profit, profit. We have to have a balance of people, planet, and profit. So happy people make a better workplace, and they make more money, and it's a more sustainable model than slavery. So, so when people are happy at work, let's just unpack that before we look at the overarching elements of performance, this uh, science of performance and happiness model, as well as the, this, there's an underlying model called the five C's. So we can look at that very briefly, but I want us to go even deeper than that. Before we go there, when people are happy at work, they think better, they smile more, it reflects on cost. I mean, there are, there's a logical deduction of what happens when people are happier at work. There's so many advantages of having happy staff that love coming to work. You know, the measurements and the scientific validation shows that they stay longer. So if you've got good talent and they're happy, they'll stay longer because replacing staff is very expensive and it's disruptive to the organization as well. They spend more than double their time focused on what they do. People might be at work for eight hours, but there's a thing called presenteeism which is the invisible version of absenteeism. Mm -hmm. But they're there, but what are they actually delivering? And so happy people are engaged. They get more meaning out of their work. They take much less sick leave. You know, people use sick leave as a, as a break, a, a quick little break and a long weekend. But happy people are more involved and intrinsically enmeshed in the organization, what it does, the value they get out of it. And they also get to use their potential a whole lot more. So once again, the bigger picture, the meaning for them, the growth for them and the develop for them, it has huge benefits on those dimensions. But also happy people, if you understand psychoneuroimmunology, happy people are healthier people. They, in every dimension, they be, do and have more. And I always say you can have a happy fool and a and, and very unhappy professor, which do you want in your team? Mm -hmm. You know, I want the happy fool. I can grow them, teach them, and develop them. But changing an unhappy person, bad attitude, uh, expert can, can be very hard. And, in fact, they can destroy your whole culture if you leave it. So happiness is a good foundation. And I think if, if you're a left-brain person, and I'm talking now like accountants, accountants and lawyers style where only money matters. And there are many companies where that only matters, the bottom line. We don't care how we use and abuse people. But to move across to the thinking, the heart side of, of humans and the impact and the hurt and trauma and loneliness and all of the things that staff come have when they come into the workplace, 
it's quite a it's quite a challenging process because neurons that fire together wire together, and so habitual thinking keeps you focused on what's important to you. Mm. But we're moving into a more conscious time where it's not just money, money, money. It's it's now people and profit, and we've got to have to bolt on planet because without our planet, we have a problem. So the circular economy is a, is a core component. But getting people to willingly come along. But if you look at Gallup's research, we still have huge disengagement levels and mm-hmm. slow engagement levels. And I think that's got to create a, an awareness for leaders that something's got to change dramatically. And it's what I'm calling consciously constructive, where you, you use part of the day to develop your staff to then develop the business. Right now, we're just pushing staff into the red line, using all of their energy, all of their happiness to push for the profit at the end of the month again. But there are a few conscious leaders that are balancing their head and the heart process. And so this happiness is a, is a process and a framework for them to use to say, how do we start to bring this in to our business? I, 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 what I see happen is under more pressure than ever before to perform – uh, with huge cost pressures and many other factors, uh, leaders are actually defaulting back to autocratic um, mm, yeah. sort of style because that's uh, that's what I guess they grew up believing that gets people to perform under fear, uh, sort of a fear culture. So, so, so we we know what we need to do. We must have happy employees and healthy cultures and all those things. But, but when the margin is so much tighter than ever before when in mining the pressure is on politically economically uh, costs are rising when escalating even in banking the, and, and and even the mobile companies all of them everyone is under huge pressure so with that pressure comes comes what a, a, a true test of how i lead a true test of of what matters and very often we then default back to our toxic sort of sort of approach. So I hear what you're saying is we've got to do those things. But with this pressure, we have a big problem. Words being bandied about around this happiness model or performance happiness model is trust, recognition, and pride. Um, the five Cs, for example, contribution, conviction, culture, commitment, confidence. So all wonderful words and, and, and what leaders try to do. But the press, pressure is just extraordinary. I don't know if when you say that's what leaders try and do. Uh, many times I go into organizations and I do the research, the high-performance research, and trust is trash. It's, it's so low. There's no trust between peers, between management and staff. There's very little recognition. And as simple humans, to love and be loved is our core need. And just to be able to go to somebody and say, thank you, I appreciate you, wow, you impressed me, um, that doesn't happen. And so, and also the way the company makes money, one of the questions I ask is, are you proud of how you make money? And I'm quite astounded sometimes how few people are truly proud of how that company makes money and feel that they are validated and appreciated. You know, because trust is, is that kind of magnetic, um, cohesiveness. If you don't have trust, you're paying a huge performance tax. Yeah. So I think people focus on what they're good at. If you're good at numbers, you focus on numbers and you hope the people side will sort itself out. And it never, never does. And for me, HR in an organization focuses on the admin and the paperwork. There's nobody that's – there's very few companies, let me say, 
that are deliberately developing their staff continuously daily. And the moment we can get a balance between business performance for the money, 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 and a balance of building people for better life, better quality, better society. I was reading a thing now about loneliness. Forbes has got an article on, lo on loneliness in the workplace. In the digital world, technology is racing so far ahead of our simple souls. To love, hum call human thing, to love and be loved, to connect, to belong, have some food, clothing, and shelter. And we're missing that because business needs to change its, its modus operandi. Yes, you need profit for oxygen. But the day you change your, your business's means for the staff beyond just money, but impacting the world, you know, people will, will work for a living, but they will die for a cause. And what cause is your organization doing that will get people behind you to give you their ultimate best? And so you can, yes, you might follow the happiness model. But if you don't have an organization that impacts positively into the world and the new generation are forcing a big rethink on what are we doing? Are we sustainable? Are, you know, are we being smart and savvy with how we're going forward? Because you can be sure as eggs in 50 years time, we are going to arrive in the future. And I don't know if it's going to be in this, in the situation and the context that we are hoping. Mm -hmm. So for me, the consciousness starts with bringing happiness to the workplace, bringing a heart approach and a head approach to the workplace. And this, the science of happiness at work framework allows people to have a simple approach to say, how's our trust going? How's our recognition going? How, how do we build contribution and conviction? And we know culture is such an important component that can impact up to 40, 50%. Yeah. I've seen high performance people in a, in a bad, low performance culture get smashed within 90 days. And so that smashes their commitment. It also breaks their confidence. And so the environment has a huge impact on the performance as well. So it's the people component. It's the teams component. It's the leadership component. It's the culture component. And you know, as that circle gets bigger, but everything is in a soup because everything impacts you. Your contribution is, is impacted by the culture and your convictions impacted by the culture and your commitments impacted by the leadership behavior. You know, people will join an organization for its vision, mission, values, but they will leave for their first level management break in relationship. And so it's that, it's that human component again. And as we become more involved in artificial intelligence and internet of things and technology comes in, even more now today, the soft skills are vital in managing and optimizing and getting the full potential of the people. So, yeah, Tony, um, Louis, do you want to come in here? I just want to take one minute on what does the science of happiness at work say? So just give us the context of this uh, happiness model as well as the, shall we say, the five Cs. I, I see you've thrown it into your conversation. You've brought it in, contribution, con conviction, and those things. Um, and, and, and then we can just expand a little bit as, as we okay. wind down the next 10 minutes. Louis? I think so, – uh, Yes, go ahead. Sorry, Ari. Uh, Tony, uh, I think, Tony, what you've said so far has got a perfect uh, uh, synchronization with what we believe in very strongly. Um, I'm also very interested in how you define the signs of happiness. Um, signs. Yeah, signs. Like signals. Yeah, the signals of yeah. happiness. So we at least speak on the same level. Yeah, the, the science of happiness, basically, the work that Jessica did 
was to distill what are the core areas that we have to address to bring into the organization for people to be able to use and activate their full potential. And from the research, they found that the overarching or the container, if we imagine a, a, a ball, the outside container of that is the levels of trust that there are within the peers, within the teams, within the management and staff, the levels of recognition and the levels of pride. And, and those impact and affect throughout the organization. And then, so that's your container that holds the space. Mm-hmm. Within that, there is like an atomic structure with your electrons and protons that are, that are swimming around. And those are the five things. And these five, the five C's, they all interact and impact and link to each other. And so contribution is about what you're doing, that you, you feel valued and appreciated, that you're, you're able to raise issues that are, valu- that are important and vital to you. It's about getting that, that feedback and feed forward and, and validation. And then you're, you will go the extra mile. You, you know, and the extra mile is empty because very few people go there. But when you have that foundation, you will then bring your best game to the party. And that then also, the second is conviction. That's your, your, short, your short-term motivation, and that's the resilience and the commitment that irrespective of good or bad times, you will get in and you will bring your, your best that you can within the context that you're going, that you'll, you'll keep on going. And, you know, I say tough times need tough people, and that we need people that, are con- that have the conviction and the commitment that they're going to keep on contributing the best that they can. The third C is the culture. And the culture is the water that the fish swim in or, or the, the environment that we work in. And if you don't fit the culture, it's, it's, like, it's, an, it's, it's like trying to wear shoes out of the wrong size. And even people like Tony Shea from Zappos, they'll do a first interview to see do you have the knowledge, skill, and ability. And the second interview is do you fit our culture? They are so conscious that culture is the foundation of everything, and I, the, I see very few leaders really understanding and impacting that, and so they, they hope that it'll be okay. But we have clashes in culture that get us to the point of the moment we have that conflict, our conviction drops and our contribution drops. So for me, culture is a central component there. If you fit the culture and you feel valued and appreciated and you have the mindset and you're happy to be convicted to what the company's doing, then your commitment is going to grow to what you're doing. And there's got to be meaning. And the, the new kids today, the new generation, sorry, Louis, I know you and I are the old ballies here, but the, the younger generations want meaning beyond just work, 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 work. And so this intrinsic motivation, you, you can, in the old days you could use a stick to motivate people. Today we can't do that anymore. It's about what is my purpose, what is my passion, how am I growing Am I getting validated for my growth? Am I making a difference? And when those are there, then I'm committed to what my organization is doing. And so many people are in work just for work's sake, for a salary. They're not there because of the real impact that the organization is bringing to the planet. And then confidence. And Mm. there's a work, uh, some research that I do, uh, of an, a company called Next Jump, who are what we call a deliberately developmental. They spend half a day developing staff and half a day business development. I mean, they're one of three in the world. 
But they're saying confidence and humility. That balance of confidence and humility is the gateway to improving the commitment, the conviction, the contribution, and the happiness. And so people that are with super high confidence can get to arrogance, and that can mess you up quite badly. But you can have highly competent people with low confidence who then don't perform to their best either. Mm. And so the, this whole model, is it's a balancing process. You can't just focus on one component and hope the others will fall into place. This is It's like the guy at the circus with the plates. You've got to balance and address all of these things. Even if you expect the contribution and the conviction and the commitment and the confidence to grow, then that outside trust, recognition and pride has got to be created. That container, that certainty, that belonging has got to be created. But for many people, because, you know, I always joke that I hack human software because I have a technical background. Leading people is a challenge. Managing people is a challenge. And very few people, they've got the technical training on what a manager is supposed to do or a leader is supposed to do. But when you find out that the beingness of a leader, are they showing up as a leader in their workplace? Not often. So that, that knowing doing gap is, is a huge, huge challenge. And so many good salespeople or good whatever people are promoted to management, but they don't have the power to truly manage, engage, and inspire the people. And so this is the framework that people can look at, and it builds a greater awareness to say, okay, we need to address this. You know, how are we doing in trust? How are we doing in recognition? How do we build pride? What is it that's blocking the pride? So now, how do we grow the contribution and conviction? And so all of the Gallup research fits into this model. You know, the science of happiness model is, is very encompassing. It's not just one little sliver. If you take this model and apply it into your organization, to your workplace, you can begin to transform the culture, the organization, the dynamic, the teamwork, the trust levels, and you can actually create a great place to work where people love to come to work. So let's let's uh, and let's conclude. We've got a minute or two just to wrap up. Louis also wants to. I, I'll ask for his views. Um, I mean, let's just add this to the conversation: is that it is impossible to create happiness at work if you have a leader with a wrong mindset. Yeah, at the very top. So for me, it all boils down to leadership again. The one leader will create that happiness just simply by by building the kind of relationships where they the, where trust exists. Uh, uh, the leader will recognize people. The leader will, with the team, create a vision that instills pride, and all of those things will eventually spin off to uh, the leader will get the contribution of all his people. I mean, it's it's a it's a serious leadership issue, yes. and 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 that's where. We passionately try and flood the world with authentic leaders. Louis, just final comments, and, and then we'll have Tony just wrap up with 30 seconds. Yeah, Tony, just, just quickly, you mentioned the, the, uh, the, the five points, but I just got four. Um, I've got them. Oh, oh, I just got them. Fine. Contribution, conviction, okay. culture, commitment, confidence, yeah. But, uh, Tony, th- uh, I really identify fully with what you're saying, and it fits in beautifully into what we call the leadership platform approach to draw the best skills and expertise out in the world to represent our platform. Thanks for that, Tony. <coughs> so, Tony, um, before I just give an email address, if, if uh, people want to get involved in this conference, it seems like it's something you, you can't miss if you, if you can afford it because it's uh, – I mean, you can't not have happy employees. That's just the way it is. But just your final 30-second wrap-up. 
I think it's important to be aware that when we talk about happiness, there are three kinds. As, as in the people in the, that are in the snow have 20 words to explain snow, we have three words for the ha- three levels of happiness. There's, there's short-term happiness, which is, you know, you, you, you're pushing to get a good feeling for a moment. There's medium-term happiness, which is about flow. And then there's long-term happiness. And we know from the research there that that part of that, ha- that long-term happiness is a mental decision and choice. So we're not talking about just this light, fluffy, be happy for a moment. We're talking about a, a long-term state where a person can bring their best capacity and potential to an organization, to work together in a team, to step up to be a leader and create a great high-performance place to work. And for me, happiness is the fuel. It's the long-term foundation and fuel for creating a positive, high-performance organization. So I'm, you know, through my life masters, I put out that information as wide as possible. If you're looking for information, I'm happy to share. If you want to come along to our uh, workshop, it's going to be a really, really good workshop having Jessica there, who's the, the source of all of the research and who's the global expert. And you'll really get to understand why it is such a valuable model and process to incorporate into your organization. Thank you, Tony. Uh, it's been wonderful having you, Tony Dovell, and no doubt we'll, we'll connect again. If people are interested, they can email training at forbescorporate.co.za, training at forbescorporate.co.za, as far as I can understand. And, and good luck with the conference. I look forward to hearing how it went and for sharing some insights so that people can be all excited about it. Thank you so much, Tony. It's a pleasure, Adrian. Thanks, Adrian, and thanks, Louis. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. This is cliffcentral.com.